Welcome to the Healthcare Hustle Podcast, a multimedia project intended to highlight the careers of leaders of color across the healthcare industry. Students, early professionals, and the community at large can expect to gain valuable, unapologetic insight on the career journeys of individuals whose lived experience and personal mission has been centered in advancing health equity. Thanks for listening. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Healthcare Hustle Podcast. Today, we are joined by Georgina Dukes, Senior Director of Social Care Impact at Unite Us, a technology company that builds coordinated care networks of health and social service providers. Georgina, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you all. Absolutely. And we are excited to have you. Um, now, I know how much of a goat you are, but for our listeners, uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and your story? Awesome. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I wouldn't say I'm a goat, but <laughs> thank you for the compliment. But um, again, Georgina Dutes, um, I was actually born and raised in Manetta, South Carolina, small town, no stoplights. We just got a Dollar General a few years ago. So we talking big business right now around there. Um, and my background is predominantly healthcare. So I kind of knew I was obsessed with healthcare from the very beginning. My mom was a certified nurse assistant and she is who kind of introduced me to healthcare because she did that for hospice patients um, and really were in their home, making them as comfortable as possible during their last six months here on earth. So it was just really important for her to expose me to that. And that's kind of where my love of healthcare came from. So uh, did Clemson University undergrad, health science, did the Medical University of South Carolina for a master's in health administration. And through that entire time, I've worked all types of jobs around healthcare so that I could understand all the aspects of healthcare. My goal was to always feel like I could have a job. I don't want anyone to tell me how to do a job. Like I want to know it all the way down to the entry level. So in the emergency room, I was the front desk. In the hospital, I was a patient transporter. Like I wanted all the gritty jobs for me to learn the ins and outs of it. And so I progressed in the hospital and then really got interested in the tech part of uh, healthcare and how we address social determinants of health to make sure we keep patients healthy, keep community members thriving. And then I switched to Unite Us. So that's where I am now and really excited about the work that we're doing. So for the past four years, I've been working in the healthcare tech space. So that's a little bit about me and my journey, but I'm sure we can go into detail, whatever questions you may have about um, my experience and how it, it, I can support your listeners as well. Now, that was a little bit of an abbreviated yeah. <laughs> like story for sure, because like you said, you've done a lot. Um, you've done a whole lot within the healthcare industry. Um, so I just kind of want to take a pause and just kind of ask you when you started this journey, you know, seeing your mom being that CNA um, for hospice patients, which I think is an amazing uh, just point that you called out because we've recently had another guest who kind of spoke to having experiences as a CNA be some of like the first things that really got mm -hmm. them, you know, thinking about what they can do. What was the dream job for you? when you first started out or what was the aspiration? What were like, mm -hmm. where did you see yourself making the most change within the system when you first started out? Yeah. So, okay. So I will say when my mom, me and my brother, I have a younger brother, we would see our mom being a CNA. We just thought she was a bad nurse. We like all her patients die. If we were sick, we didn't want her to take care of us. We were like, we just had no understanding 
of hospice. So once she introduced <laughs> us to it, like we were like, oh, okay, like this is like they you're not making them sick. They are, you know, ill, terminally ill. So I will say when I when she first introduced me to it, I thought in my mind, like, okay, these people need help. I want to cure them. So my goal, or when I first went to undergrad, was I majored in microbiology because I wanted to create a cure for cancer. That was my goal. Like I wanted to heal people. And growing up, I've always been obsessed with superheroes. I'm a Marvel geek, even to this day. And every time like they were asked, like, what would be your superpower? It would be to heal people. So that's kind of where I was focused on in my ideal job. Now, all those sciences and undergrad combined with the math, I was like, no, microbiology isn't in my ministry. So I found a different way. Like I took uh, the academic tests that they offer at universities, your personality test to figure out what major you should major in. And they told me health science was for me because my values still lie in healing people, but the way my brain works, my skills and abilities are in business and tech. And so they had a health science with a emphasis on health administration and that worked out for me. But I think I still feel like I get to heal people. It might not be just the scientific way, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. Um, and that's just uh I love that. Uh real quick, who's your favorite superhero? Who is, who oh, is that person for you? For sure, it's Beast from X-Men. So the okay. is brilliant and he shifts to blue. I'm obsessed with Beast. And they need to make a movie about him, but I'll do with the Avengers for right now. So <laughs> oh, I love that. That's definitely different. B, I saw you come off mute. I didn't know if you had a yeah, well, first off, you know, Georgina, I gotta say, huge shout out to you. I mean, every time I talk to you, it's just like, you know, I, I not only do I learn more about you, but I, my respect for you grows. I appreciate everything that you've done for the healthcare community. Um, one of the questions that I had really, I know you had an, an emphasis in regards to population health on like uh, community care, um, transitions of care and management. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for our listeners who might not be aware of that being an avenue um, yeah. in, in, in their healthcare career? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I think that when you think about community health or transitions of care, a lot of times, a lot of us who go to traditional healthcare route, we are really told about just working in the hospital, right? Like that is what the patient experiences, that is what needs the most transformation. But what I've learned, like when working in the hospital is that the, our doctors, our clinicians, the people who we're advocating for on the administration side are really brilliant. They spent years and years trying to perfect their craft to make sure people are healthy. They can only do but so much, 20%, right? 20% of the journey. Soon as that patient is discharged, they back into the community. And as we know, as like people of color and just people who may have experienced um, uh, challenging upbringings, when they go back, like whatever band-aid that doctor put on them is is really hard to keep healthy so they're going back to undignified housing they're not going back to gainful employment they're not going back to healthy foods so when you're getting in healthcare and you're starting to say okay i'm not making 
as much of the impact as I wanted to make in the hospital side, that's when you start thinking beyond that square, right? You think, okay, what ways, well, when a patient transitions outside of a hospital, what does that look like? So there are avenues in tech that you could go when you think transitions of care, you can think uh, hospice, like I was just talking about with my mom, you can think home health care. You can also think just being in the clinic, the primary care or the cardiac rehab. There's so many different avenues outside of that box of the hospital, which is a huge important part of the healthcare journey. But in order to help those people who are doing that hard work in the hospital, we really got to make sure we're having that on both ends before the patient gets in the hospital and once they're discharged as well. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yes, it does. And, and thank you for that clarification also. Thank you. Yeah, it's actually brilliant. Um, and I feel like for Brandon and I as emerging, you know, young professionals still in the industry, like we can hear, we hear you and it's like, oh yeah, of course, obviously there's so many different routes and different entry points to care. So there's a lot of different spaces where you can kind of, you know, identify where inequities are and where there needs to be equity. But at the same time, like, as a young professional myself, I was very resistant to like leaving the hospital space, right? It mm -hmm. was like, no, like I want to do it here. Um, and you said something that I thought like, you know, I wrote it down and really speaking volumes to me when you were in um, your collegiate, you know, studies. And at that point in your career, you kind of were taking tests that, you know, spoke to the values that you had as an individual centered around healing but that business acumen as well. And I feel like a lot of young people of color, that's like the dream combination we want to have is like, you know, we're dedicated to our communities. We understand the inequities. We're educated. We want to go here and we want to be sophisticated in terms of the business to ultimately address said inequities. Were you always about this like health equity life or was this a journey for you in which you kind of were exposed to inequities and kind of saw like, oh, wow, like there's some issues or did you come into the industry kind of already with this superhero cape on, like I'm coming to address the vulnerable populations and this is the kind of work that I want to do. No, I would say it's been a journey for me to get to that now mm -hmm. because health equity is such a, I mean, it's always been there, but it's the new buzz, the hot new term. And I would say like, I, when people ask me to like go and speak on DEI or health equity, cause they're like, you are really great at talking about that. I'm like, what background do I have <laughs> in that? Like maybe cause I'm a black woman you think, but also it's just like, I, the thing is I didn't learn about health equity in undergrad or grad. I didn't learn about health equity at the hospital. So I think it's back to your point of how I was raised because I was raised by a single mom. I know how you apply for Medicaid. I, I was a single mom myself. I'm engaged now, but for 11 years, my son is about to be 11 in December. I was a single mom. I know how to get Medicaid. I know how to get WIC. I know how to get SNAP, food stamp benefits. I know how to navigate a really hectic poverty centered space because I've had to do that my entire life. So when I'm talking about how underserved communities, predominantly people of color living in underserved communities, what they go through and how we need to fix it is because it's like, that's my family. Those are my friends. So I can't, it's just something in me. Like I'm not going to let them fail. Like I felt like my purpose here is 
on in this earth or on this earth is to make an impact and transform communities and impact lives. And the only way that I can do that is by making sure the community that I come from, my roots are taken care of. So I think all that to say equity wasn't this thing that like I knew that like all my classes I took, I've got certifications in it. It was just who I am. This is 30 plus years of mm. raising this person, the poverty, overcoming that and saying, I'm going to go back and make sure my community has the tools they need to thrive as well. Does that make sense? Oh, no, absolutely. 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 That was, that was very powerful, Georgina. I'll tell you that, um, you know, just kind of <clears throat> touching on what you were saying earlier in regards to, you know, figuring things out in your career and, um, you know, Winston really put it well, just like in regards to being able to match your skill set with your values, you've done that, you know, masterfully. Um, but, you know, hindsight, you know, in mind here, if you were to go back and, you know, talk to your younger self um, at the, the beginning stages of your career, what advice would you give her, um, a young Georgina coming up like, hey, you know, be aware of this or, you know, try to maximize this kind of opportunity or leverage this network or whatever the case may be? Okay. Well, young Georgina was all about um, acronyms and like things like things that she could easily remember. So one of the things that like I would tell her and I tell other young professionals too is remember pie. So when you're mm -hmm. first starting out, P-I-E, think of it like a piece of pie. And I don't know, Winston, if I told you this before, because I know we've had conversations where we met, but when I think of pie, like if you really, if you're passionate about something and you're really trying to climb in your career, Think about pies and P-I-E and half of that pie is a P. And what that P stands for is perform. Mm -hmm. You have to perform and you have to execute every single project given to you, mm -hmm. no matter what it is. Figure out a way to connect that project, even if it's just something you don't even care about. Figure out how to connect it to what you feel like your calling or purpose is. And I'll give you an example for me. Uh, one of the jobs I had at Duke was I was over patient safety. So whenever there was uh, something left in someone from surgery, someone was given the wrong medication, I had to be over that assessment, that research to make sure like we figure out what went wrong. I hated it because it's like I was the bad guy coming in like, you nurse, you did this wrong, you doctor, you did, you need to go to train. It was just, it was the worst experience for me, but I had, I knew I had to execute this with precision because like it was a part of my job and what I figured out, like how to tie it, right? Like all these data reports and stuff, it just wasn't cute at all. Like I hated it, but the way that I figured out how to perform and execute is like, this is preventing someone's grandma from making it home from Sunday dinner. That's literally what I used to say. Like, it, and so me making this dashboard, me talking to this physician, me making this, putting my own jazz and spin on it in my Georgina way, like I'm getting someone's grandma home by Sunday dinner because our hospital did something wrong. And that's what clicked to make me perform every single time consistently. And that's what you call BE, Black Excellence. We got to perform every single time consistently. So I would say P is half the battle. The I is image. So I'm not going to say that you got to think about like wearing a clean shave and all that stuff like that, but just be mindful of what your image is and what and how you want to present yourself and stick with that image. I will say like when I worked in a hospital setting, our image had to be suits. I wore a, a suit every single day. I had my hair pressed down to a T. I tried to do lots and they told me like, hey, people are too distracted by the way 
your hair looks to hear what you have to say. So can you go back to the straight hair? And I did that at the time because I was an early careerist. I was trying to grind. But now I work in the tech world. I can wear locks for days. You see, I have my hair locked. I can wear jeans. I can wear the most fashionable outfits and I'm embraced that way. But I will say to early, to the early Georgina and to early careerists, think about your image and hold on to that and don't falter. This is what you want your brand to be. And then the last one is the E and the E is the exposure. So you got the P-I-E. You have to be exposed to leaders. I don't care if they don't look like you. You get time, you have one-on-ones and you ask them questions. As many questions as possible. It's not about you. They don't need to know about you. You ask them questions because they have 400 years that we don't have, right? <laughs> like you, I'm, I go to every one-on-one -on -one with my bosses with probably like 20, 30 questions, just in case there's some dead time. Listen, I need you to answer this. I need you to tell me about how you found out this. How did you even think about buying a house? Like get it, all those questions, expose yourself to these executive leaders, put one-on-ones, go to networking events. And then I think you'll get there. You will get wherever you want to be if you just really think about pie whenever it comes to your career development. Is that? Okay. <laughs> Fire emojis everywhere. Gym. That was a gem. That's just bombs everywhere. My oh my gosh. Um, thank you. Number one, that's there's so much in that. This is so important. Um, wow. All right. So gotta collect myself. Uh, so for the listeners, I was actually an intern um at Duke University Hospital in 2018. Uh, through the Institute for Diversity and Health Equity Summer Enrichment Program. And that's actually where I met Georgina for the first time. And I can remember being this young grad student from Morehouse, came up from the A, I'm in North Carolina. I was struggling through some things, uh, just adjusting to the corporate um, you know, environment that was academic medicine. And this was my first time ever being like in a just this environment, you know, I was a public health student in, you know, a big hospital. So I was like, oh, what is this? And I remember meeting Georgina and being like, yo, this person is exactly how I want to be. Like, literally, when I think of like, young, popping, like in her skin, walks in her greatness, but also extremely brilliant and doesn't play any games. It was like a balance that I could not see myself ever getting to. So even like you being this champion for equity now and for vulnerable com communities now and always wanting to serve, but then also being able to have pie, have the performance image and exposure be something that you, you balance at the same time is amazing. Because personally, I struggle with being like this young brother showing up to a clinic or to a unit, knowing that, you know, they may be knowing what I'm here for and knowing that leadership may not be there for the same thing. It was hard for me. So how did you, you know, you balance that and you maybe spoke to some things um, in your former roles, you know, the hair in itself, um, just being something, you know, now, obviously I would, I would assume that's a, you know, something that Georgina today would not, you know, do or would not embrace. <laughs> But what was that like, like knowing, all right, this is what I'm here for. This is who I'm here for. I've been a single mother, a black mom myself. I've, you know, filled this stuff out, you know, before I'm here. I am great. I've done all this stuff and I'm still going through certain things. If you did, what was that like in dealing with some of those um, situations when you were, were on the hospital side? I would say the, the, the main challenge that I feel like was really hard for me 
is because I grew up low income, right? And because I was a single mom, everything was really like financial too, right? So we have to think about some of our young professionals and the black tax and like, we are, we tend to be the first people to make it in our families, to make it to college, to make it to this great job. And everyone think it's a high paying job. And we know fellows only make about 50K, if that. Uh, so I think when, when starting out in healthcare, just really being desperate to make it and make sure I'm providing for my son and for my family, that was a really huge challenge that I had to like mentally overcome to be able to be the Georgina that is like, listen, this is what's right. And I'm pushing for what's right. Because at the time I just need a job, right? Like I just need a good job. And that's, I'm sure everyone's family, like you, your mom will be like, you got a good job. You do whatever them people say, because you got a good job. So I think when you are, you want to live by your values, you want to push, you want to be you and all of that greatness, but you still like, I need this paycheck on the 1st and the 15th of every month. That's where the challenge comes in. And it's like what I said earlier, I know in the hospital setting, I knew what I needed to do to in order to get that paycheck, I just had to find out a way to tie it. And that's where I think the challenge is going to be for early careers, people who are may have walking in the same path and just having these challenging situations, whether at the clinic or the hospital is, this is what they want me to do. How can I connect it? How can I see the bigger picture? Is it that I'm helping the community? Is it that I'm helping these clinicians? Like, how am I like if I sacrifice this for me right now, what is it going to impact that ends up helping my long-term goal? And if you can make that connection, you can be successful and you can really live the values that you're trying to do at your role, but you have to make that connection for yourself. And if that connection doesn't happen, then you are, are in the wrong role. I will say that. And I have been in a position where I could not make that connection no matter how hard I tried. And I went to my boss. It was my last role before I transitioned to uh, Unite Us and said, this is this. I, I can't make it stick. I can't figure this out. It was in the hospital. And he said, I, I totally agree. And he gave me an activity and he was a white man. He gave me an activity and he said, I want you to go out and Google your dream job, what that dream next role for you is. And he was like, I need you to make that dream JD and present it to me. We're going to talk through it. And so I knew like my job, I wanted something in innovation. I wanted something with community health. So I went and looked at Apple health, Google health. Um, I just looked, Googled like all types of innovation, innovative startups doing this work and made my dream description. I couldn't think of a title, but I said, keeps patients out of hospital. That's what I had at the top of it. And I'll share y'all with what that JD looked like. It was a hot mess, but that's, he made me do it. We talked about it. He gave me connections. He let me go to Forbes 30 under 30 conference. And it was six months later that Unite Us was in my LinkedIn inbox saying, we love what you do. Would you be interested in working with us? And they reached out to me. So I think manifestation is a whole different conversation. But if you are in that wrong role, then immediately start thinking of your exit strategy and how to get out and use it allies within that healthcare organization to help you get there. I know that was long-winded, but does that make sense? <laughs> oh, no, that was perfect. Honestly, you're dropping a lot of gems on us. I, I'll be honest. It's, it's, it's a lot of process all in one one session. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, but it, all hit, it all hits home. It really does. 
And um, I, I want to actually touch on something that you were you were speaking to a little bit just now, and and in regards to, um, you know, as early careers, we we oftentimes kind of forced to pick between um, sticking to who we are or adjusting to our environment. And mm -hmm. I think you know it's a difficult choice. But what would you say is the better of the options, or how do you navigate that that kind of decision making process? Because I, I know me personally, if I come into a situation or an organization, I don't want to be a wrecking ball, but I also do want to be an agent of change. And I understand it doesn't happen overnight or, you know, but um, just handling that situation with care, how do you think is the best way to go about it? I think there's a, there's a balance. And I think it's about one of the things that I've learned when I'm trying to be myself at an organization, but, and I'm doing disruption in a healthy way is about as long as you have the relationships, you can do that. So if you're going to be yourself unapologetically, do it because that is so sickening. Like I just think about times when I wasn't, I just was so miserable at that organization. They didn't get good products for me and I didn't get good products for them. So you have to be yourself unapologetically at an organization. But the way that I was safe to do that is because one, I built relationships. I've built relationships with everyone up to the CEO. I've had a one-on-one -on -one with, I wanted them to understand who I was as a person and what I cared about. And the second part is I did the work. You can be yourself, but do the work. Like if they assign you something, you going to do it and you're going to put your own spice on it. So they know that this is a representation of Winston. This is a representation of Brandon, like always do the work and build relationships. But I will say never, if you have to sacrifice who you are for organization, it's not a good fit. And you need to start thinking about your strategy to get out. Now that strategy may take three months and it may take a, three years, but either way be working on that strategy to say, I'm not being myself. This is not a good fit. What can I learn and, and get me to that dream job description? I'm just going to learn. I'm going to take in, understand what's happening to get me to that dream JD or that next role that's for me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I you know, and I was just going to add a little caveat because, you know, by nature, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like basketball shorts and, and Nike slides. And, and when you said image, you know, that was one of those things coming out of undergrad that I really had to just kind of tighten up on and, and be con like conscious of, not to say that I wasn't sticking to who I was, but just understanding that growth happens in uncomfortable situations and you just mm -hmm. got to step out your comfort zone. So thank you. I love that. Yeah, this is really like, you know, uh, a service for me right now in terms of just all the stuff that I'm getting. I'm like, man, like I should have been like this. Um, I want to really uh, kind of just focus a little bit more and hear just more about your time doing your fellowship, um, because for, for many of our listeners and just the, the broader, I think, emerging healthcare community, um, for some people, a lot of emphasis around administrative fellowships. If you want to get into healthcare administration, it's like the end all be all for, you know, for some folks and for others, a little bit like myself, kind of just stumble into them. And it's like, oh, this is a, a cool opportunity. But I've seen, obviously, just through my own experience, through Brandon, other individuals, sometimes we struggle. As young folks of color, we can really struggle in those positions. Um, how was that for you? Uh, what was the pursuit of the fellowship like? You know, was it, did you walk in thinking it was a big deal? Um, and, you know, did you feel like you were indebted to the organization in any particular way to stay there and serve? And then just 
leaving academic medicine after your experience at Duke, after the fellowship in your multiple positions, what was that transition like knowing that, all right, I'm leaving this big, you know, supposed place now and I'm going, you know, to be in a new space. Um, what was all that like for you? Ooh, this is a good, okay. So I will say fellowship. I was against it at first just because everyone was doing it. I think like mm. if y'all are, if y'all haven't learned my personality, I just be trying to march <laughs> to the beat of my own drum and because everyone was doing, it, I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I need like, again, I think I was a mom again, a single mom. Then I'm like, fellowship started in November. And so if at least if they don't work out, I can just try to really focus on getting a job by May. Like, so that immediately became my plan of survival at the time. So Back in my day, I'm a little bit older, they didn't even have that match program or whatever you have to submit to. So just be mindful of that when I'm telling you the story. But I applied to 17 places. So I did my research. I knew I wanted to stay on the East Coast. I wanted to be in driving distance from my family because again, single mom, again, survival for me and Romeo. So I applied to 17 places along the East Coast. And when I tell you, I put my all into those applications and the uh, and the personal statements and the essays, I put my all. And I will say this is a point just to encourage anyone listening is really put yourself into those personal essays. It's personal. Like I've reviewed so many people who want to go uh, to become a fellow or a resident at a hospital after grad school. And it's just, and ain't no spice. And I'm like, you the most saucy, spicy person. And you ain't add none of your personality into this essay. Do better. Like my, I remember one of my essays that I kind of started with personal essay started with my mom's a bad nurse. All her patients die. Okay. Who going to put that down? You read that. Like you gonna want to learn more. So really make sure you're catching the people with the beginning of your essay. So all that to say 17 places I applied, sent that application with that personal essay. My mom's a bad nurse. All her patients die. I got 16 phone interviews, 16 out of the 17. So my probability, I mean, it was going well. Did all 16 phone interviews, only two people called me for on site. And what I learned from that situation with the fellowship is one, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. Two, I was country as hell. Like they did, like I didn't have any practice with the way that I spoke. This was Georgina before to four years of Toastmasters, all of that, just born and bred straight out of South Carolina. I had, I think people, the feedback I was given, they couldn't understand me. I spoke too much slang, all of these things. And I'm like, but this is who I am, you know? But those seven, 16 people that called me back for that phone did not like what they heard on the other side of that phone, and it went down to two. So those two were between Duke um, and the uh, Carolinas Health System, what it was called, it's called Atrium now, but it's called Carolinas back then. So both of those interviews were in the same week. I flew, and I will say it was just something, even though I knew a lot of people in Atrium in the Charlotte area, it was just something about Duke and the diversity that I saw in the room that it was just a done deal for me. Like the president was super woke, like super understanding of experiences of of uh black and brown community members they were married to uh, or engaged to a black and brown person so they just really got the experience and i'm like i want them um 
And so on my flight, they they go through the interview process at Duke. It's a two-day process. And then you fly back home and they're supposed to give you a call like within two hours of you leaving the organization. So I'm at the airport. I'm like, I ain't get it. I mean, like, I ain't get it. I already know I didn't get it. And they called me that night before I got on my plane. And I just remember calling my professor and us crying on the phone because like, it was just such a, beautiful moment like I went it was only between those two and I just wanted it so bad and it worked out but again I prepped I was myself in the interview I still was country and they understood it and I and it worked out for me so I chose Duke and again another reason tactically why I chose Duke too is I knew I wanted a two-year program because I wanted time to like rotate but I also wanted time to like learn everyone without thinking, cause again, I'm in survival mode thinking, oh, I gotta apply for another job, right? Because if you do a one-year program, you get in there, you rotate six months, six months, then them last six months, you really thinking about where's my next job gonna come? Where's my next money gonna come? So I wanted like a year breather to just really learn. So I don't know if people factor that in. But anyway, going to Duke, it was a great experience. We rotated, learned so much really was exposed to a lot of different people. Again, this is my first time out of the state of South, South Carolina. And I still got to insert myself a little bit and be uh, unapologetically myself. Um, I will say just to go to your point too, about um, did I feel like I had to be loyal to them? I really did. Like after the fellowship was over, I felt like I had to get a job there, like to show I'm grateful for you all for even considering me. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's just what I did at the time to just show my gratitude and thankfulness for them looking out for me. So I came on as um, a strategy manager in the Heart Center, which was a great program for me to really learn and understand what was going on. But it's also where I had, that was the most challenging role ever because that was the role I had before I went to Unite Us. So I'll pause there and just say, see, because I know I, I went through the fellowship process before I go into transitioning to Unite Us, but if you had any follow-up questions about that part of it. No, I think uh, what you said so far is is brilliant. And I'm, I kind of just want to, and I don't want to, you know, tee it up for you in any certain kind of way. So if I'm wrong, please correct me. But I kind of want to just, you know, now hear about, how did you not necessarily fall out of love, but how did you like start to see like, this ain't it. Like this isn't where the magic is going to be made just because I'm here um, at this institution. Cause I, my thought was always like, you know, I don't really care what service line it is. You know, I had my own interest, but it was like, mm -hmm. I just want to get in a place that has the resources, has the capital and has the will and the actual patience that we need to be, you know, serving more. Um, and so I was so gung-ho to get whatever, but, you know, like for you being, you know, this person who kind of had this method to get all this stuff, be really successful in the fellowship. Because by the time that I met you, you were already a legend at Duke. People were like, oh, you got to meet Georgina. Georgina's amazing. Like she was a former fellow. She's amazing. You got to meet her. Um, and so again, like, I just looked at you like, wow, she's, she's everything that I want to be. So at what point did you look up and really realize and you also had a, you know, you were under a black leader as well at Duke. So it's like, at what point did all these things you start realizing like, nah, like I gotta, I gotta go. Like I, this has to be different. I think one of the things was I couldn't make the impact that I wanted to make. 
Like I felt like I couldn't really live the purpose that I wanted to do. And I've had a lot of conversations with that black leader as well. And they felt the same way. And so that's another thing. Like when you're under a, a black leader, you have to protect them too. Mm. Right. Like you can't expect them to like, wow. when you in this position, look out for me. like, Ooh, they go, they fighting it for us, all of us, the highest black leader at your organization. I guarantee if you were to go have drinks with them, they might cry to you because they are really fighting for all of us. And once I saw like the struggles they were having to even protect me, it, it, it was just like, you know what? I have to make peace with this. So mm -hmm. again, they encouraged me to talk to that white leader. We went through the JD and that was my way out. But I will say it was just one incident that I was like, that just made me say, I'm done. Like fell out of love. And it was because I was leaving work and everyone has a routine. I encourage everyone to get a routine when you're leaving work. But for me, when I'm leaving work, one of the things I do is like, you know, clock out. We have to swipe our card, the badge out the hospital. I put my headphones on and I listen to trap music and I walk to the car. Like, that's what I do. And it's about, I mean, where we have to park at the hospital is really far. It's about a half a mile away. And there are several um, leaders or I will say several clinicians or people who had power at the time were really disturbed because I guess they could hear a little bit coming out of my headphones when I was mm. going down the elevator and they, and then I guess they saw me walking across the street with headphones and they reached out to my boss at the time and was like, how dare Georgina be listening to that and wearing headphones walking out of the hospital. And I'm like, I'm walking, like I'm clocked out. You know, it was all this, but it was like such a heated discussion and like a write up and all of this stuff. And I'm like, I can't even be me. Yeah. I can't listen to Gucci like walking out of the hospital. <laughs> like this is crazy. At that point, I was just like, you know what? You're gonna find any and every reason not to like me, not to support me, and you're really giving my manager an extremely hard time. I'm gonna go somewhere where I can feel safe and I can be myself, and that's all it took. And again, I just started making the action plan, the strategy, the networking, the making sure I had every step in place so that I could leave peacefully and on a good note. Wow, uh, you said a lot there, um, which is amazing. It's one thing that's really deep where <laughs> we don't have the time to go into it, but you said when you're under a black leader, you have to support them as well. And I think that that is a reality that personally, I know I'm still processing just how we show up in companies and organizations and just like all of the complexities with this. Um, because it can be tough. And I think that just goes to show how I think real brilliant and mindful of a person you are to be able to even see that and make that decision based on the pressure that your leader was facing um, in trying to support you, which is just crazy. Um, level of inception. It's like inception, the movie, but just like just so many different <laughs> layers of stuff there. Um, so what was the transition like to kind of, you know, get us up to speed? um at unite us right new tech it's, it's it's new it's fancy it's like you know a lot of buzzwords as well i feel like you know just in terms of the intersectionality between healthcare and tech so what was that like coming from the academic hospital world so i will say academic hospital is not all that bad like you learn so much 
learn. That's what I'm saying. You learn if it's taking you a year to three years to get out of it. I mean, learn mm -hmm. how they do project plans, how HR function works, all of that. I mean, you're going to be unstoppable if you ever decide to transition to the startup or tech side. So I will say just even deciding on Unitas was scary because it was, I had an offer between Unitas and another healthcare organization, but it was just something about Unitas. I love the people I work, uh, interviewed with, they were all brilliant. And, um, I just got so excited about the possibilities. And when I talked to, when I went and gave my notice, there were so many people afraid for me at uh, Duke and at like my previous institution or whatever, because they were like, this is a startup. We know you're a single mom. Like they could go under tomorrow. Like, what are you doing? Like, and I just had to walk out on faith. So I will say that too. Like if there are people who are thinking about switching from what is seen as safe in the healthcare industry, like a hospital or a clinic, they're going, you're going to get pushback from not only your coworkers, but family and friends too, because this world is seen as so foreign, but you got to pray to whoever you pray to and really walk out on faith. So for me, Unitas was it. So I entered the organization um, and at the time it was probably about 30, maybe 40 employees at the time back in 2018. And what I saw like coming into a startup tech is there so much room for improvement? There's so much room for possibilities. The title I came in as was an account manager. And I immediately was like, in my mind, I'm like, the community and hospital, they ain't gonna know what that is. I thought account manager was like banks or like accountants and stuff. So I immediately, like the first week, I'm pushing like, can we change this title? And they were receptive. Because I already know how to present stuff, right? From being at Duke, I made an S bar. Look, this is the situation. This is the background. This is my assessment. And this is my recommendation. They were like, whoa, oh, S bar? Like we start up, like who, who are you? I mean, wrote out processes, made project plans, made a project charter. All of, Again, all of those skills during that horrible year that I learned, made me a beast when it came to the startup world. So I will say transitioning the tech was a beautiful thing, but also I felt like it was a gift for them too, for them to recruit someone with this healthcare experience. So again, to your listeners, if you are considering transitioning the tech, think about what all you've learned. And cause that is a gold mine. The tech industry is increasing so much because healthcare is such a complex dinosaur that has not really evolved. And they want people that have experience in administration who know how health hospital leaders think, who know how clinicians uh, need to be treated, who know about physician burnout. They want that to come help influence their products and help them better help the healthcare industry. So I will say it was kind of an easy transition, but I again, I had to get that confidence. I had to know my stuff. I had to know all the projects I executed and how I could translate to help this move this organization's mission forward. Right on. Honestly, I love every bit of it. Every bit of this conversation has been pure soul food, pure, pure food to the soul. <laughs> I promise you. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Uh, I'm glad we kind of got a chance to pivot a little bit from the, from the, from the conversation into like the industry that you're in now. Um, and for those of our listeners and even me included, I would love to know, what are some of those more buzzwords? What are some of those more industry, the industry industry trends that you're seeing now? Um, 
coming from, you know, the academic medicine over to IT? Are you being exposed to more things than you were before your 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 transition from your fellowship into your role at Duke or? Yeah, I I think so. I feel like the exposure I've had working at a tech company has allowed me to think more broader or bigger when it comes to healthcare. And I'll give you a few examples. So again, my first job outside, my first role within Unitas was uh, we transitioned to the community engagement manager. That was the title. And what our job was, was to onboard community-based organizations government agencies, hospitals, and health plans to the technology so that they can address social determinants of health for any North Carolinian. So if I am, if I go to the hospital and I have, uh, at my child, my son has asthma, right? And they say, well, it seems like it's like black mold or something in the home. I could go to a community-based organization, a church, and say like, hey, I really need help like getting out of this home or repairing this black mold in the home. And they can be someone that I get, connect, I get connected to through Unitas. So that was like the goal, but also um, in that role, like, so I'm sorry, I'm telling you how the technology works and how it fits in and what my job was in that role. But as you can see, just as a community engagement manager, I then began getting exposed to how all of these different hospitals operate. So I'm working with Duke because that's where I had the relationship. I still left on good terms. I was connected to so many people working with Duke, but then I'm working with UNC too, right? That's only 10 minutes down the street. I'm working with Wake Med. I'm working with Cone Health. I'm working with almost every hospital in the state of North Carolina, understanding their operations, understanding how do not everyone calls their uh case management case management some call it some sit it under population health some sit it under community health like really understanding the structures of organizations and then now i'm learning health plans right like that's how hospitals are funded so coming to the tech side with this knowledge for academic medical center and operations but also learning about all these different entities and continuing to space up like I became the regional director for the Southeast. I know about every type of hospital in the Southeast over my nine states now. It's like every single time I'm learning something different in healthcare that's allowing me to really think about a broader impact or a more global impact that really can push um, the industry forward. Now back to buzzwords that you're, that you're saying, I think social determinants of health were huge when I first came out in 2018. Everyone was trying to figure out how do you address them? And most people were just wanting to do the bare minimum, which is a list of resources. Any hospital, like at, at that time you go to and say, well, how are you addressing social determinants of health? We'll screen them. We're going to do a screener and we're going to give them a list of resources. Now, what does that do? We all know like all you're doing is, is creating more inequities because you're given the resources and that person got to have the transportation. They got to have the common sense or the knowledge to figure out how to Google them, reach out. It's like it creates more inequities. So I think now healthcare is moving past that because they understand how bad that was to they really want robust technologies to address this and create coordinated networks. So those are the new buzz terms, coordinated networks, health equity, all these things. If you can figure out or create a strategy around them or 
add bullets to that while you're in the hospital on your resume will help you transition to the tech world because those are things that hospitals can't really figure out how to solve for, but tech gurus want to solve for. Does that make sense? I keep saying, does that make sense? But yeah, let me know if I need to clarify. <laughs> no, it all, everything makes sense. Um, It all makes sense. I think this is going to be another kind of loaded question along with the buzzwords. What, you know, if we're all just like social justice warriors for a second, right? And we're all trying to, you know, attack these inequities. What are some of the things that you felt or like the new skills, a part of your skill set that you feel like you've developed since being in the tech side? How do you feel like you've evolved like in this entire conversation of health equity now that you're at this level? Yeah, so I will say that, again, for me, like skills that I have evolved, it's because I came in at a, a job like that. I, I, again, I think no one should know the job better than me. Mm. Right. So when I come in tech, I didn't know how to code. I don't know how to program. I don't know any of that, but I wanted to learn the software. So I didn't learn how to code, but I learned how to configure. I wanted to understand what is it like to build the organization in the software so that someone could send and receive referral to address a need. I went out to the community-based organizations that understood how would they send a referral and unite us and what is the issues that they're experiencing to do that. Wow. And like, and at this community-based organization, who do you even serve, right? Mm. Because when we first started doing referrals, our referrals were predominantly white people. So it's like, but I know there's some black and brown people that need help too, that have significant inequity. So how about we think beyond this, instead of just giving it to the big organizations like Catholic Charities, the food pantry of this area, like let's think where, where do black people go when they're in need? Well, in the South, we go to church. And, and we're going to go and say, King God, please, I can't make rent this month. And the church is going to have to figure out, so why don't we give access to this technology to the churches? Also, well, we're not seeing referrals for Black men. Okay, well, where do Black men go? Or at least I know almost every Black man in my family, they're going to get their hair cut. If they ain't got nothing else going on, they're going to get their hair cut or a shape up. So why don't we give access to the technology to barbershops? So I think for me, what I've learned is to really think about my background and how it's so unique that it could really help bring equity again, because, you know, my ultimate goal is to support my roots, bring equity to my people. And that's why making sure thinking outside the box, whenever there may be a plan that the organization is going through, like, hey, you got to launch these community based organizations, make sure you get every housing, employment, food and transportation organization on. That's what they would say. And I would say, well, no, if you really want to impact this community, we need every faith-based organization too. Mm -hmm. We need every childcare organization too. We need every barbershop as well. So all that to say, I think those type of skills of like advocacy, being confident in what you know, even though, again, you don't have a certificate in it, but you know this because of your upbringing and what you've experienced, vocalizing that and I will say Toastmasters taught me how to articulate it in an extremely concise way one or two minutes this is what we should do let me know if you need further clarification and the same thing with the hard skills of configuring understanding the technology to a point where you can articulate that as well I think what this comes down to the overarching skill is communication and that's where I would say if you're going to invest in 
a skill for yourself. I don't know if you need to take a coding boot camp class or any of that, but really invest in like being able to communicate and code switch when you're trying to make a sale or help people understand something that's really going to impact the community or bring health equity. Mm. Wow. It's, um, this is, this is, that's a lot. And that's, uh, an excellent response. I think, um, just you mentioning, uh, just having a different lens at understanding the referral process. And understanding like that's bi-directional, like, wait, how would the community-based organizations do it? Like, that sounds so basic, but then I'm thinking about all the projects I've been on where it's like, we don't ask that question, mm-hmm. like, at all, <laughs> like, never. And so it's just, it, it goes to show how powerful I think um, this thinking could, you just your thinking has been, your mentality has been. Um, and it's crazy because I realized like we haven't even asked you about all of the different awards and measures of success and just all the other things that you've you've gotten because of um, your own professional journey. Um, but we are approaching, uh, you know, the end of the show. Um, uh, so it has it is, has been totally and amazingly excellent. Um, when our other host is here, he usually asks uh, a couple of different um quick fire or rapid fire questions uh but we have one brandon and i thought about one or brandon really thought about one so we want to give you some time um before we sign off and give everybody give a chance to get your links and socials and everything so b got the question ready oh yeah for sure so our question is uh in in the age-old um, debate uh, gucci or jeezy Oh, Gucci. Oh, oh, <laughs> Gucci all day. My fiance would be upset. He's definitely Jeezy, but Gucci, come on. All From right. the very beginning. And I'm talking about fat Gucci, not skinny Gucci. Not Gucci 2.0. Gucci. Yeah. After reform Gucci. Excellent. And congratulations on actually on the engagement as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Congratulations. Thank congratulations. You. Okay. Excellent. Well, Georgina, um, and sorry to all the Jeezy fans, the, the two that might be out there. Um uh or over Gucci at least. Um, uh, but this has been an excellent, excellent hour, excellent show, excellent episode with uh you. Really appreciate you for stopping on by and dropping those gems. Uh, is there anywhere that folks can connect with you online, website, Twitter, LinkedIn, any, any, any you know, social media channels that you want to plug as you can continue to grow and boss up and just inspire young, young, young folks like us to be the best that we can be? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, at Georgina Dukes. So it's just Georgina Dukes as well as Twitter at Georgina Dukes. And I would love to connect. I'm always... I'm always excited to make sure I'm supporting you all, your growth, exposing you to different ideas when it comes to bringing equity to community through health innovation. So please hit me up. I'm really grateful for to be on this podcast with you all and talk with you all. And I just love what you're doing. This is just the beginning. Like I see so much greatness on this line. So I just want y'all to walk into that, okay? <laughs> Thank you. Like walk into it. Thank you so much, Georgina. See you then. Well, that's it for the episode, and we want to thank you for listening to the Healthcare Hustle Podcast. Make sure to check us out each month on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and stay up to date with the Healthcare Hustle fam by following our page on LinkedIn. The marathon continues, so keep on hustling.